Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I cannot wait to get stuck into today's episode. But before I do, I want to give a quick shout out to username ShareAbode, who left a five-star review and beautiful comment for me over on the podcast app. She says, really enjoying this. I'm really enjoying listening to this podcast, a variety of different guests, Danny is so easy to listen to and engages so well with the guests. Keep it up, Wilhelmina. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave that comment and a review for me. It honestly makes such a massive difference to us as podcasters when you take the time to rate, review, and subscribe. So if you would like to do the same, you can jump on over to the podcast app, leave a rating and a review so you can let other users know what they're in for. And if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you do not miss a thing. Now, in true form, I'd like to give you a warning about today's episode in regards to some sensitive content. Today's discussion does center around neonatal loss. So if this is a sensitive area for you, perhaps it's an opportunity to sit this one out. However, I will preposition that there's a lot of valuable information around managing grief that you would probably find really, really beneficial. But the ball is in your court as always. So for those of you who are sticking around, it's not all doom and gloom. We do touch on some other areas, including pregnancy, and, you know, a little bit of sex talk, but I would highly recommend having your tissues on hand. Let's get started. Today's mama you may know from her delicious recipe ebook or perhaps her incredibly weekly market food hauls from her Instagram stories. Welcome to the beautiful Michaela. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and we're sitting in your lounge room, um, just bantering about completely random things, but that's not why we're here today. Um, but thank you so much for joining me. We are going to talk about a number of different things today. Um, looking at your Instagram, someone may think that you have the perfect life. Uh, you've got your gorgeous little daughter, Elle. You were recently married to the love of your life, but there is so much more to your story. And sadly, it's due to a tragedy that happened in March 2017. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, in March, we were expecting our first baby and um, it was a little boy. And at it was about 38 and a half weeks, which I knew I would go into labor at literally 38.5 weeks. My whole pregnancy, I knew. I just had this gut feeling. I've always felt really in tune with my body. So um, that day I went into labor 
nonetheless, it was like 9 p.m. at night and I was like thinking, surely I'm in tune with my body. Like it told me, but it just made me wait all night. (laughs) And then I finally went into labor. Um, And yeah, we gave birth to our first little boy and um, it was pretty special and incredible and hectic. Mm. (laughs) No one told me how hectic a natural birth would be. Oh, it's intense. Um, Yeah. Everyone on Instagram made drug-free births look amazing and sound (laughs) incredible. They're liars. (laughs) They were so lying. I literally, like, once I birthed my baby, I was like, what just happened to me? (laughs) Like, where did I go? Um, And then it was about, we were about to be sent home four hours after birth when he was coughing up some blood and things, and I was told that it's normal. It's just, like, from the birth canal, just... Um, him cleaning out his lungs and stuff. And I was like, I just do not feel this is right. Like, this is a lot of blood that's starting to be coughed up. And um, they were like, we'll just send you upstairs and just get him checked out and then you guys can go home. And in that moment, I was really exhausted from birth and I didn't think too much of it. I thought, oh, yeah, he's just going to be checked over. They're probably going to flush out his lungs or something and we'll be home tomorrow. Um, so yeah, we went, we went upstairs and a pediatrician like came and saw our son. He was kind of breathing a little bit funny. And in that moment he said to me, your, your son is really sick. He's, he's incredibly sick. We're going to take him into the NICU. Sorry if I cry. Oh, it's it's fine. You're going to make me cry too. Two pregnant, emotional women. (laughs) It's not a great combo. Um, Yeah, we're going to take him into NICU and we're likely to put him into a coma. You're going to come see him in about five hours and he's going to be covered in wires. We don't want to be... We don't want to lie to you. It's going to be daunting. It's going to be scary when you come in there. And I just didn't even know what to think. Like... I still don't think I even processed it completely in my mind about what was happening and I just thought they're just giving him some rest to give him some medicine and it'll be fine. And then about six hours later they came into us and said, are you ready to see your son? He is asleep, he's in a coma and he's being administered antibiotics and drugs to help him through this time. We think that he has group B strep, um... And they did some testing and his cultures came back within a few hours positive to group B strep. So I do remember at 36 weeks testing for this, which is just a simple swab. Um, And I know it's a transient bacteria. I remember reading the sheet and thinking, it's weird because every time I think about that sheet, I remember looking at it thinking, this is serious, like, why don't they talk about this more? Mm. And my partner totally glanced at the sheet like like it was nothing, but something in my gut was, like, making me read that sheet over and over again, so I pushed to get the swab. Um, But nobody did tell me that that swab, you know, was transient and that a negative still could mean a positive at the time of birth. No one told me that, and I wish someone did because I would have got that swab four more times if I could have. Um, and I was positive at the time of birth, unfortunately. It was passed on to my son. And, um, yeah, he spent three days in NICU, and that was a pretty scary three days, as they told me, if he doesn't make it through the first 48 hours, that it's likely to not be a good outcome. So when he made it through 48 hours, not with a lot of ups and downs in between, 
um, I began to feel positive again. And this moment is really, sorry, sad to remember. But I remember the doctor saying to my partner, your son is very sick. <laughs> sorry. Don't say sorry. <laughs> Making me cry too. It's not good talking about this while pregnant. Of course not. <laughs> no. Well, no time is a good time to talk about it, but it's amazing that you are because this is so important. Yeah. Mia said, your son is very, very sick. I remember those words being repeated over and over again by any doctor that came in and seen him. It was like they were trying to let us know that the outcome was not going to be good, but we were such positive people that we were holding on to any good words that were mentioned. So I remember when the doctor said that, my, my partner literally breaking down and crying. And I don't know if you've ever really seen your partner cry but men don't cry very often and it's very hard for them to tap into their emotions. So seeing your partner literally break apart was the moment I broke apart too. And um, yeah, it was on day three when we felt like he was making good progress as they started to wean him off certain machines. We decided we would leave the hospital for a couple of hours, not a couple of hours, it was 20 minutes if that to go um, get some food for ourselves outside of hospital, some fresh air. We'd literally spent over 48 hours just sitting by his hospital bed. And um, I felt really funny about leaving the hospital. There was something in my gut that wasn't right. And I was checked by three different doctors as I was convinced that like I was having issues internally post-birth. And everything was assured to be okay. But it was in the moment that we left hospital that... We received a call from the head obs- um, the head paediatrician saying that we needed to come back and we came back to the hospital, to the NICU, completely cleared out with just all of the doctors there and a lady we'd never seen and she said to us that, um, I'm so sorry but your son has gone into a seizure that he doesn't seem to be coming out of and, and we need to switch off his machines and I said to them, no, I don't want to switch off his machines. I've seen this before. Like, I'd heard about it where people, like, continued keeping them alive but in their comas and then they pulled through. And they said to me that if he comes out of this, he's not going to have a quality of life. He won't know who you are. He won't live a life that he will be able to walk or talk or see or do anything he's completely paralyzed inside and that was probably the hardest moment of my life because it's the moment we had to sit there and say goodbye and we had to be the people that switched off the machine and that decision like still haunts me because sometimes I wonder what happens if he could have come through that what happens if you know, it was just all too hard for them at the time. And, yeah, it's it's a very hard realisation, you know, going through nine months of pregnancy, going through birth, like, that is epic alone. And then losing your child within three days is just the worst experience possible. And I remember that night, like, yeah, I'd, I'd never seen my partner break apart again. 
like the way he did and leaving the hospital empty-handed driving home in this storm that just rumbled the sky left right and center I'm normally terrified of storms now whenever I see them I always think of my son and I always feel safe sorry don't apologize I I can't speak either because I'm trying to hold back tears um I just think that that's such an incredible thing for you to have had to go through. I I can't even imagine. And I think anybody who's had children just uh, would is probably crying at the same time now because the thought of it is just horrific. And I think it's really difficult because there's always going to be that part of you that wonders what if, but I think having that comfort of knowing that from a medical perspective, that was your advice that, you know, their recommendation was that he wasn't the the little boy he was supposed to be and making that decision was not really your choice, even though it had had to be, you yeah. know, from their perspective. And I used to always say to people, like, everything happens for a reason and I've just found it so hard to ever say those words and mean it again because I still ask myself for what reason did that happen there is no reason on this earth that I would choose for that to happen for anything else in my life to happen I I just yeah I wish over and over again I I know that since it's happened I've created a lot of awareness for group B strep and like almost feel like I've saved a lot of babies lives but it still has been at the sacrifice of my own child and that's probably what hurts the most because while while other babies live happily now I still have to live with this broken hole in me for the rest of my life and you know it doesn't matter how big we grow our family there's always going to be a missing piece that we will carry to our grave forever which is probably the hardest thing but yeah it's as a couple I feel like there could be no two people stronger together because like what we've had to overcome and go through and the way we've seen each other is literally like torn apart like going through grief of losing sorry stop apologizing you don't need to apologize (laughs) going through grief of losing a child is literally like your whole body is being shredded and you're just a little piece of paper on the floor and you have to learn to grow again and read and write and see the world in a way with hope and positivity and that's probably been the hardest thing But we held on to hope knowing that, you know, we're both young and we do have the rest of our lives together and we could, you could end your life right there and cause misery for thousands of other people in our lives, but we could go on and have an amazing life too. So we chose to hold on to hope and just keep going and get through this wave of grief that everyone had been through before that we spoken to about said we would experience for a year is like a true up and down roller coaster and they were right there was moments where we were in extreme highs and the moments we were on extreme lows and moments where we didn't know if we would even last as a couple because you do experience grief so differently as a female and a male and I guess as true individuals as well and the way you deal with it and talk about it but how did you hold on to that hope um I guess like for me I like connected with a lot of other mums 
that had been through the same experience. I was very particular in the types of lost mums I connected with as I felt I resonated most with ones that had actually birthed a child full term (laughs) and lost them at that point because there's a different level of emotion associated between an earlier miscarriage, a stillbirth and a neonatal loss. Um, I'd been through earlier miscarriage before myself so when I compare the two my earlier miscarriages I thought was the worst amount of pain I could have ever felt and if that's all I'd been through absolutely that was the worst amount of pain but once I experienced neonatal loss I realized there's a whole other level of pain and so connecting with other mums that had been through neonatal loss and gone on to birth other children after is how I really held on to hope because I could see and listen to them talk about how much their lives have changed for the better now knowing that once I had another child in my hand hands that everything would begin to make sense again so I just held on to that thought that we will still we've still got the opportunity here to build a family um and hold a hold a little kid again absolutely and yeah, it was it was true once we got to that moment. I feel like our hearts began to heal a lot more. So were you planning for Elle? We were. Yep. Um, it was quite soon after we lost Voss. I fell pregnant three months after. And we were planning to we were planning to fall pregnant. But, you know, after birth it's quite painful to have sex, especially if you experience tearing like me. So I didn't want to just have sex and hope for a baby. I wanted to track my cycles and know that the one time we are having sex is for a baby because otherwise it was just too painful to have constant sex and and hope. So, yeah, we really did plan for her. We had a strategy and um, we tracked my ovulation for a good month before we planned and... And went down that route and luckily we fell pregnant straight away on our first planned month. So, Yeah. And how was your pregnancy with her affected given what you'd just been through? Because that's quite a, a quick time frame from losing Fox to then being pregnant again. I imagine that would have definitely toyed with your emotions. Yeah. Um, well, pregnancy is an emotional time alone. I'm <laughs> yes, pretty sure is. we'd cry about anything. I would cry watching the Ellen show. <laughs> um, so it was a very, um, I could almost say like I wasn't really connected to her pregnancy because mm-hmm. I was so scarred by what we'd just gone through that I was scared, especially in the later months, you know, realizing that we had an obstetrician this time, a planned C-section, but there was still no guarantee. What if my body passed on the same bacteria? Mm. So there was a lot of fear in that if I got excited, it would be taken away from me. And um, a lot of her pregnancy was just spent almost pretending like she wasn't there. And it was easier to do that in ways because I also had a anterior placenta at the front oh yeah anterior yeah so I couldn't feel her for a lot of our pregnancy which did make it easier because it felt like I wasn't pregnant and again I'm pregnant at the moment I have an anterior 
um, placenta again with my son. I had a posterior one, so I felt him the whole 10 months from, I think, 13 weeks. I first felt, felt oh, those little wow. flutters. And um, with my consecutive pregnancies, I haven't, haven't felt this one yet, and I didn't feel, feel ill until well and truly past 20 weeks. Mm. And I think it's almost like my body's way of protecting me from feeling like I'm completely pregnant yeah. and holding on to like the excitement of another baby just to protect my mind from the possibility. Like I know people say that lightning doesn't strike the same place twice, but it truly does. And I'm not blind to that now. Like I've seen it happen and mm. I'm not going to pretend like bad things don't happen to good people every day and that they don't happen again. So yeah, I just get through pregnancies by almost just pretending like I'm not yeah and that's like with Elle we didn't announce till 18 weeks because we're just like are we expecting a baby like I understand there's a belly coming I'm an Ellie popper so (laughs) there's always a belly there but um yeah it doesn't feel real I think that's an that would be a natural reaction though that's your way of protecting yourself and of course you know with what you've gone through that's completely understandable in terms of the care during pregnancy given what you went through with Fox did you do anything differently you know with the strep B tests or did you go to you know were you constantly at the doctor what did that look like yeah well I always tell people now Um, in their pregnancies to get group B strep swabs from 24 weeks when you're considered viable and I say to them to get it at least three times before birth so 24 weeks somewhere around 30 weeks and then again about 35 and if you go to 39 get it 39 because you want to allow for a positive like it's not a bad thing to have a positive it's actually a really good thing because then you get protected you get antibiotics. It's simple. You get um, an antibiotic drip and you during labor and your baby's protected that way. Mm-hmm. But getting a negative means you're not protected. But if you get four negatives, you can be pretty confident you're not going to be group B strep. Yeah. Now, you've birth. spoken about this before that you have to actually ask for it it's not something that's going to get offered to you at each of those stages but you gave birth to Darwin so is that why you were aware of it yeah so in Darwin they do do the group B strep um, swab routinely Mm -hmm. around 36 weeks I'm not sure if they do it still Mm -hmm. I think they actually might be I knew I know at the time they were considering taking it off the protocols but I think after our son passed away, they decided to keep it on. Mm-hmm. And um, I do know of a mum here in Brisbane that lost her child to group B strep, really has been pushing for it to be a routine swab as well in pregnancy. Yeah. But um, yeah, the best thing you can do is ask for it. They do legally have to give it to you okay. um, if you do ask for it. And it's not, a, if it is at an expense for you, I think it's like $14 if that, which isn't much at all. Absolutely worth it. Is it invasive? No, it's just a simple swab. Um, I think you get given like a stick. <laughs> you have to put Charming. it up your hoo-ha <laughs> and up your back hoo-ha <laughs> and wiggle it around and put it back in the packet. And Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound nice, but you do it yourself. 
You can okay. have them do it if you like, but um, it's easy enough to go into a toilet and do it yourself. Yeah, so a simple, easy process that's yeah. clearly worth it. And the antibiotics, do they give you anything prior to birth or it's when you're in labour that that's when they administer yeah. them? Um, so if you do receive a positive in pregnancy, you do have the option to take antibiotics then and there. Um, but I don't recommend because it's likely to come back anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, as it's a transient bacteria, it's not harmful to you or me. It's only harmful in the time of labor. So I would only recommend in the time of labor. The only time in pregnancy you would want it is if your waters had ruptured or you were concerned about low birth weight in baby or something, um, as there has been a case that was six weeks before mine where a baby was born, um, was stillborn because group B streb had crossed her into the waters in the womb. Um, but you really can't predict those cases. You really just have to trust your body. And if your body is saying, I've received a positive, I would prefer antibiotics right now. Just go with your gut and get them then and there. Yeah. Um, otherwise, if you're confident that everything is going okay, then just get them during labor. It's actually so scary that prior to you, I'd never heard of this. And when I was pregnant with Peyton, which was cool, seven years ago, a long time ago, yeah. um, it was not, not anything that we talked about. And it's just amazing how many people are impacted by it. And, yeah. uh, you know, you touched on before about raising awareness, which is huge, but it's almost scary that, that we don't hear about it unless... Of course, there's a tragedy, which yeah. is terrible. And there's, at the end of the day, there's so many things that can happen to babies, like mm. so many ways they can die in those early days or, you know, in womb. And we can't protect them against everything. But I do feel that when you do know something, it is important to just share that because even the difference I've made in a short amount of time has been quite impacting like the amount of babies mothers that have said their babies like had been born with group b strep or they'd found they were positive after getting my swabs there was one mum that tested literally every week from 36 weeks and it was only at 41 weeks that she got a positive oh wow and I was like wow that's incredible the difference that makes like but yeah it's up to the person if they test every week or every few weeks I just recommend getting it at minimal three times throughout your pregnancy yeah which is great information to share I'm assuming that Elle was fine yeah so um Elle we I didn't do the swab at all during my pregnancy I just mentally couldn't um and I will choose not to again this time and the reason is because we go with a scheduled C-section um, okay. and we get antibiotics at birth. And then again, she'll be any, um, whatever this baby is true, will be administered antibiotics after birth. Okay. So that's our choice. So regardless of whether it's a positive or negative, it'll be treated like a positive. Okay. So um, yeah, I choose personally not to get the swabs during the pregnancy because my mental you know, it yep. is not in a good place to, if I was to read a positive, it would probably really impact the way I treat my pregnancy. And I just have to trust that I have birthed, got to the point of birth with two babies and they've been fine in womb. So I just have to get out for the birthing process and ensure they're protected at that time. Well, that's probably your way of regaining self-control over 
a situation that you previously had no control over. So, yeah, if that's an option for you and for your mental health, there's, I mean, you're covering yourself in every way possible that you can. Yeah. Um, Now, Elle's, uh, she's almost, she'll be almost two when the baby's born. Yeah. Yes. Two under two for a bit. Two under two. Yeah, she'll be three months off too. Which is such a, it's so nice to see you have such a happy story after everything that you've been through. You recently got married and you had a little surprise on your wedding night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure you didn't realize on the wedding night, but it's no. turned out now. So how far are you along in this pregnancy? Um, I'm almost 16 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it was planned? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we won't say wedding night because technically wedding morning, post-wedding morning. <laughs> and it was totally... Technically because, married. <laughs> yeah, we were married. Um, we were just like... Well, li- literally, me and my partner, once we got home for the wedding, were like, oh my God, we're so effed. We literally can't have sex. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, shit, we got to do it at some point because apparently it's tradition and yeah. good luck and it already rained on our wedding day, which is good luck. But I was like, we got to do it. Like, it's not a wedding without doing it. And in the morning, my partner initiated it and I was not in the mood at all. I was like, oh, I'm actually happy to not do it right now. Like, I just want to go home and see my daughter. And We're married now. I don't yeah. have to have sex with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe on our anniversary. <laughs> um, but he was like, nah, we got to, we got to. And I was like, okay, so whatever. I don't know if most people like me, but I don't like morning sex. I like night sex. It's just, I don't know, more funner. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Is it a female thing? I think so. I think it's the, the mystery of the dark as well. You know, you're yeah. not, you don't have to see everything that's going on. <laughs> you do feel like you're a total different person at night. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. You turn on the alter ego. Yeah. <laughs> much sexier at night yeah I'm Mahalia (laughs) just kidding Um, but not really (laughs) but um males are always morning people obviously because they're already up yeah yeah um so yeah it was easy for him and (laughs) and we had sex and um it wasn't until we were on our honeymoon where I was like oh I should probably like just start looking at when's a good time to have sex not because we were planning to have a baby soon we planned maybe in January to start trying yeah but I was like oh I'll start tracking now just to see when like my ovulation time is because I knew my partner wouldn't be careful now that the wedding was done and I didn't have to fit into any particular (laughs) expensive dresses anytime soon so I knew he would be a little more spontaneous (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I was looking, we were in Fiji and I was looking back at like, I just started entering everything into like this ovulation apps and I'd entered my last cycle and stuff. And then it showed like, oh, your fertile period. And it showed like the seven day fertile time. And then it showed like the time, the two days to try was our wedding weekend. (laughs) And I was like, no way. Stop it. (laughs) I was like. That can't be right. I swear I only had my like period a week before the wedding. And then I was looking back through like, and I was like, oh my God. I was like, it was two weeks before. I was just so busy planning a wedding. I forgot. <laughs> and um, I had a 28 day cycle. So it was literally right on the dot. And I was like, okay, 
I'm pregnant. <laughs> it was like, I was like, I'm so pregnant. Like we were in Fiji and Elle was like clingy as anything. Oh. And then it was like a day or two later after I was like, I must be a hundred percent pregnant. And that's why Elle's acting all weird and like clingy. And I, um, I went to the toilet and I just had like a couple of little spotting and yeah. like, I'm not sure how it works for every woman, but you know, it was being my fifth pregnancy all up, um, mm-hmm. including my miscarriages. I know that once I ovulate a week later, I will, if it's, if I'm impregnated, <laughs> I spot like, um, implantation bleeding. Yeah, yeah. I get that. And I literally got that. And I was like, I'm so effing pregnant right now. <laughs> Did you hold it then? Yeah, I was like, I've just started spotting. Like, I was like, what the hell? I'm so effing pregnant. Like, <laughs> and um, he was like, oh my god, like you just drank a Toblerone cocktail. Is it going to be okay? I was like, well, it's yes, like, it's yeah, completely it's fine. fine. <laughs> People like drink and get drugs. I was like, oh, I need to drink more just in case. Like, yeah. I am because I'm not going to get any for a year. Or um, yeah, and then we got home from Fiji, and I took a pregnancy test, and it came up negative. And I was like. I'm so not convinced. Like, mm. I'm just... You just know, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I started getting this lower backache, which is, like, my cue to knowing I'm pregnant in those early stages. And um, it took, I think, three days later, I did another test and I got the faintest positive. And I was like, look, <laughs> I'm pregnant. I walked up to him in the bath and he just laughed. He was like, you can't even see that. I was like, you wait, tomorrow you'll see yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nonetheless, I told you. <laughs> It just got darker and darker and I was like, I'm so pregnant. And then I was like, we did it on ovulation. I was like, that means we're having a boy. I'm pretty like strategic, not strategic, but clued on with like how you create a girl, how you create a boy. Oh, really? And all that stuff. Um, Even though we're not finding out the gender for this one. Um, But I'm pretty, I'm just going to say I'm certain it's a boy. Although now I'm confused because lots of people have been telling me girl. So now I'm like, maybe it's not like. Have you had any feelings though? Like any senses? I did feel boy the whole time, especially because I haven't vomited much this time. Yeah. Maybe, well, now three times. Um, Yesterday I vomited. (laughs) Um, It's probably because you were nervous about today, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, um, but then once people started telling me girl, I'm just like, I'm confused. So now I'm like, I don't even know what gender you are, but we're not finding out. So this is just half the fun of it is the mystery. But I love to like see back in six months time, whether I'm right or wrong. Yeah. I just have to get it out there just so that I know if I'm right, I'm I'm a pro at this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is recorded. So there's evidence of your genius. Yeah. That's so interesting because, you know, you read all those things about this makes a boy and this makes a girl and... It's funny, you know, with Peyton, I had a dream that I was having a girl. And then with this pregnancy, yeah, I, I sort of, I think it's a boy, but then other people are telling me, girl, I'm like, oh God, I'm so confused. Are you going to find out? Yeah, we will. We will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I actually left it up to Dan and said, this is your decision. Yeah. But he, he said he wants to know, which I was low-key high-fiving myself because yeah. I'm such a planner. I just, yeah. I just need to know. Yeah. To, not that I'm happy with everything. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, but, if I didn't have stuff for a boy, I think I'd be the same. Yeah. But now that I've had a boy, I've had a girl, I'm kind of like, 
let's just not find out. Like, let's yeah. just see how this goes. Like, it could totally fuck with us mentally or <laughs> it could be the best surprise ever. Yeah. Well, everybody who does wait says that it's a beautiful surprise on the day. And, and I mean, I'm sure it'll be exactly the same for you. Yeah. Do you think what you've gone through has changed the way that you parent compared to potentially what it would have been? Um, sometimes I feel like it does, but then... You know, if my toddler's going through a leap, I still get fucking angry (laughs) and lose my shit. So I'm still like a normal mom, you know, that when they go through those difficult times and you question yourself and you're like, oh, nothing quite explains those little toddler tantrum Mm. changes that they mentally go through and the way you go through it too. And then they suddenly just click and become their normal selves again and you're like, why the fuck did I just try to change everything? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, who was that child? And thank you <laughs> yeah, for coming back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do lose myself still in moments. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like I'm a very emotional mum in times. Like, I, I feel like it's every mum, though. Like, I witnessed a friend on the weekend cry when her daughter was giggling away. You know, she's only three months old and she was just giggling and giggling. Like, she was making mm. her laugh and... And, like, she started crying and, like, it made me think about the amount of times I do that with my daughter. Like, she'll do something and it just makes my heart burst into, like, a million butterflies flying into the sky. Like, it makes me so happy. Um, So I think it's probably something most mums already feel. So I don't think I do parent overly different. Um, And I try to be conscious that Elle... He's our own person and doesn't understand what we've been through. Won't for a long time. Yeah. And just treat her that way. I do feel like there's times that she is almost like the child we needed after all of what we've been through because her personality is so loving. Like she wakes up in the morning and will just come to you and cuddle you for like 10 minutes straight and won't let you go it's just she loves to love yeah and it's almost like she knows I I needed that yep um to get through these moments and even if she's like there's times where I will just burst out in tears because something will come over my mind that I remember and it's like she spots me across the room and there she is just like starts kissing my cheek and like makes it oh, something funny but it's honey. so cute at the same time and it's making me tear up because it's so she's such a special little girl and um she's definitely heaven sent I'd say um I had a friend say yesterday that that babies their souls choose yours and yeah. I just thought that was the most beautiful thing to be said because I definitely feel the same about Peyton. You know, she's such a beautiful child and she's everything that I needed. And Elle's obviously everything that you both needed. And it's even more exciting for this little one to further compliment your family and and nothing can ever heal what you've been through, obviously. But to make it just that that little bit better and, and to to just you know make you thrive even more so than than what you already are it's very exciting yeah yeah it was so excited to expand like I've always been pretty honest that I'd love a big family yep um but yeah it's still like in my mind about going through more and more pregnancies we said we wanted four kids but that would mean five full-term pregnancies and I just I just don't know how 
my body would take on that. Yeah. Um, I do feel like each pregnancy of mine gets easier and better. So maybe I will get to that point of five kids <laughs> for living. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's a lot of Toblerone cocktails to miss out on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, seriously, I'm not Kim Kardashian, but if I was Kim Kardashian, maybe I could have four living kids, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, does she even take them on her trips anymore? Oh, probably or, not. You know? like, <laughs> well, she's, well, she's got nannies who would look after them the whole time. It would definitely yeah. be an easy life. <laughs> uh, you know how in pregnancy... You have some weird pregnancy dreams. Yes. Oh my God, I'm going through that at the moment. It's horrible. (laughs) Like, I think my first pregnancy, my partner, maybe don't listen to this, but I was, oh, even for anyone that knows me, this is going to be awkward, but I was literally having dreams about my ex. Not in like a great way, but it was just weird. I was like, why are you in my dreams? Get out. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what the hell? And then this time, like, just recently my latest dream this is again why I'm confused what gender I'm having Mm. I had this dream that we had like a surrogate or like we were like a threesome like there was another girl in our relationship (laughs) happy anniversary Ted (laughs) yeah but she was the one pregnant and she birthed the child and it was a girl and I'm like I'm so confused. Like, am I having a girl again? I don't know. But it was so weird because, like, literally we sat there watching this girl give birth to our child. And, yeah, it was it have was you, just bizarre. Have you ever spoken about surrogacy? Um, no. It was probably, like, I've always thought about being a surrogate for someone earlier on in my life before I even was pregnant myself. Yep. Till I realized how hectic. Yeah. It's a you lot. know pregnancy is but I I don't think I could be a surrogate now like not if I want lots of kids myself and yeah um things like that but it was weird I do watch Handmaid's Tale so maybe that oh. was <laughs> where it came <laughs> came from just well, a lot of a lot of emotion going on there yeah yeah <laughs> oh that's so funny um so before we wrap up I did want to just I guess, throw to you in terms of advice. So, um, and you touched on before about how loss is so different for everybody. And it's even more so different if you were to lose a child, you know, early in a pregnancy, later on after birth, and it's all horrific, but of course they come with different emotions. What's your advice to anybody who's potentially in a similar situation or has gone through the loss of a child? Yeah. Um, So I think it's important for anyone who's been through loss to also really be really welcoming and opening to somebody who is trying to connect with you, who's just gone through loss. I have a lot of mums that reach out to me and they might've lost their like child at weeks or 20 weeks. And I try not to, you know, scope them that they don't understand my emotions or things like that. Because when I think back to when I was at that point, that really was the worst pain I felt Mm. I could ever feel. So just trying to understand and be opening and respect where they are at and just trying to share with them your experience and nurture them through their experience. Um, but to the mum that has just lost a child, I would just really say to take it day by day. Um, nothing's going to quite make it easier. Um, you're going to experience a roller coaster of emotions for at least a year. It's going to be an up and down. And to find your out, by connecting with other mums that have been through the same. Um, for me, I felt like I couldn't connect with counsellors because they hadn't been through these mm. experiences, but I could connect with other mums that had been through the experiences. 
and there's a great amount of Facebook groups um, of mums like there's I think one called Pregnancy After Loss Pals um, which helped me to just get through my pregnancy with Elle and also meet other mums that had lost a child and talk to them and where they are at emotionally. So just being open, talking to your partner um, and finding your out. For me, my out was writing. It was my release. Um, Whether you share that with everyone, you don't have to, but just finding a way to release your emotions when you're feeling at your heaviest. Don't be afraid to cry. I still cry. Like, um, Two months ago, I was hanging out the washing and I just burst into tears crying because you'll just be flooded by emotions constantly. And even in my son's short three days of life, it's like you're constantly experiencing new memories and new emotions and getting through those moments. So, yeah, just to find you out and be patient and kind to yourself and take as much time. There's no rush in recovering from grief. There's no fast track through it either. I think that's a beautiful way of putting it and particularly everybody does react differently and there's no right or wrong, but giving yourself that time is all you can really do and be kind to yourself. From a perspective of somebody, a friend or a partner or a loved one trying to support someone who's just gone through loss, what would your advice be to them? Don't buy them flowers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because the whole room will be full of them. (laughs) Yeah, and that's... um, no disrespect to anyone who did buy us flowers we were bought a lot of flowers but it was probably the hardest thing that we went through in that those first few days of loss because flowers were delivered daily hourly mm-hmm. minutes um by the flower men in darwin i think they honestly sold out in that boutique <laughs> it's not a big place and every time they came i just had to i couldn't look at them they were put into our son's room Sorry, it makes me emotional again. No, stop saying sorry. <laughs> they were put into our son's room and I didn't walk into that room for a week because I just, I couldn't face it. To me, flowers had always meant like a congratulations. Mm. And this time they were representing loss. So I even find it hard now when I've gifted flowers to really thank somebody because I just still picture that room full of flowers. And when I did walk into that room a week later and begin throwing them out, that was probably the hardest thing because it reminded me that for everything that blooms, it eventually dies too. And I had to face that again. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So, um, yeah, as a friend, partner, I would stick to buying something sentimental, um, even just letting them know you're there. They might not reach back out to you, but just still make yourself known to them and they will reach out when they're ready you know don't just if they don't reply don't assume that they don't want to talk to you they're just not ready at this time they might be going through a bad day but they'll go through good days too where they are ready to talk to you um so just sticking by them and if you are to buy anything sentimentally a print with a a nice message on it meaning that they can keep in their home or a necklace with you know their child's initial which I still wear today Mm -hmm. um, is just something nice that they can carry with them through a lifetime without bringing up too many emotions yeah that's so beautiful and it's actually such I'm really glad I asked that question because I think the natural reaction is 
Yeah, we, we do. We buy flowers to celebrate things or say congratulations. Um, and we do it for loss as well. But that's, that's yeah, a really powerful thing for you to have shared with us. Yeah. Again, making me cry. Sorry. Um, we two pregnant women in a room. <laughs> what a combination. Um, now, to, <laughs> to end on a lighter note... Um, I am a huge advocate of making sure that you don't lose yourself when you become a mum. I think it's really important to try and reconnect with the person that you are because 100% you're still a person and you still have your own needs and wants and um, I like to call it the me before mummy. So what's something that you do or plan to do after this pregnancy to reconnect with the person you were before kids? Yeah. Um, So I feel like once... Elle started to get a little bit older and could go to daycare and things like that. I began reconnecting with myself. Um, And anyone who knows me personally, I'm quite business savvy and, like, I thrive on doing a hundred different things. So, well, currently I am launched my own business and work exclusively for myself for no one else. (laughs) Which, and... I'll let you take the reins on this, but we were just talking about this off air and holy moly, you are just so full of knowledge and such a smart little cookie. So I'm so excited for you. It's crazy. Um, Yeah. So it was pretty scary quitting my job initially because we do depend on my income here in Brisbane as well. Um, So taking a risk, there's nothing quite like it when you've got to make money, Um, which I think is also the best time when you, you really need to ensure your business thrives because you will hustle and you'll work hard. So um, the me before money, mummy, money, money. <laughs> <laughs> money helps too. <laughs> it, it's the same. Um, the me before mummy was always business driven. So that's what I've probably continued with launching my new marketing and influencer business. Yeah. Um, and I'll plan to continue that after this baby as well. I have like a goal to open my own office in the next two years I really think I can do it so I'm just gonna you know get through the newborn haze (laughs) try and get through life with two under two and just work on building that thriving business because that's also what makes me thrive and yeah I'm a big advocate like you for just embracing what you love to do because I feel like you're a better mum for it too like if I was I know some mums are stay-at-home mothers and they're great at it, but for me, I'm probably not that great at it <laughs> long term. I just needed to get back into something. After a year, I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got to keep, you know, satisfying myself or I'd probably start to go a little insane. Yeah, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody's journey is different and reconnecting with a passion that you can turn into a job is quite frankly enviable you know everybody thrives for that so I'm very excited to see what what you're doing in that space and I just want to touch on you're also a qualified doula were you in the process of finishing your qualification yeah well I've got to do two births to actually have the certificate so I've done all of the theoretical study Um, and you can actually become a doula with no qualification here in Australia or even in America I think Um, so it's not highly recognized here in Australia but um, I just am a person that chooses to instill all the knowledge in myself before I commit to something Um, so I've got to do two births to fully qualify for that certificate but um, I have been putting it off because 
I was speaking about this the other day and I just don't know whether I'm mentally there as well to deal with. Sure. I, at times I thought I was, but then when it came, I was meant to commit to this one birth a few months ago. And when it came down to it, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, mm. especially like birth is no set outcome. So I just, I'm not hundred percent sure when I will actually finish that qualification, but I'm just embracing this time in my life and maybe I'll come back to it in a year or two. Absolutely. Well, and the, I mean, you've clearly got a lot going on in the interim, so yeah. <laughs> no pressure there. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me and for being so incredibly raw and open. I don't think there's anything more powerful than storytelling and something like this that we don't speak about or that majority of us probably don't even know about is huge. You know, there's a lot of pregnant women. There's a lot of women who have given birth who would have had no idea that this yeah. is even a possibility. So um, as much as your pain is horrific and you would never wish it on someone, to be able to share your journey and to educate people is just absolutely huge. So yeah. thank you so, so much. That's okay. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Oh, well, you can't say I didn't warn you about that one. Honestly, between Michaela's episode and Crystal Brandt, I don't think I've ever held back so many tears in my life. Well, when recording, of course. It's completely fine for me to cry alone in my lounge room while I'm editing, right? Hmm. Anyway, there is a lot of things that I got out of the conversation with Michaela. And a few things that I want to touch on is firstly, do not be afraid to push for answers or more support when it comes to medical instances. Unless it's part of your profession, you're not an expert and nobody expects you to be. However, what you do have is your own intuition. That's intuition on your own body and as a mother, even if you haven't given birth yet. So if there's something that you feel like you need, do not be afraid to speak up and push for the answers or the support that you feel that you require. Now, Michaela recommends when it comes to group brief strep to first of all, be aware of it. Speak to your medical professional and talk about getting a test. She recommends actually getting three swabs from 24 weeks to make sure that you're educated and know if there's an issue so that you can manage it accordingly. Having that power of knowing how it can influence your birth can make all of the difference and it truly, as you heard, can mean a life or death situation for your child. Now, when it comes to grief, her advice is to take it day by day. It will take time and you need to be conscious that it may take some trial and error to actually find what helps you heal. It's a journey, not a race, so don't put so much pressure on yourself if you're going through it. Also, do not be afraid to cry. You will be flooded by emotions constantly. There's a lot of ups and downs when it comes to a grief process. So ensure that you're kind to yourself and reach out for help if and when you need it. Grief looks different on everybody. So don't feel like you need to be like everyone else or meet some kind of expectation. The other thing she touched on, which I think is really valuable, is around if you have been through that journey, obviously not straight away, but once you've been through your grief process, if somebody does reach out to you who is grieving themselves, make sure that you're open to that and to a discussion. 
Nobody expects you to solve all of their problems. However, as humans, we do find comfort in similarity. So if somebody is reaching out to you, it may just be exactly what they need to know what helped you or even just to know that it's not going to feel that way forever can make a huge difference. On the flip side, if you are trying to support someone who's going through a grief journey, make sure that you don't buy them flowers. Maybe that's not the same case for everybody, but in Michaela's instance, it actually put more pressure on the situation and made it harder for her to process it herself when she was constantly bombarded by the same thing. And now they don't hold the same meaning for her. Instead, she recommends to stick to sentimental items. And if you're not sure what to buy, just be there. Offer support. Don't expect that they will take it from you straight away. But just having that offer can mean the world. Now, if you would like to follow more of Michaela's journey, you can find her over on Instagram at Michaela. I will pop this in the show notes. And it also has links to her website wholeheartedly, where you can find her ebook and other blogs with information. Now, before we wrap up, I want to give a quick shout out to at Sarah Smith 92, who tagged me in a story of her in her hashtag the me before mummy moment. She was reconnecting with her old self by going for a swim in the ocean, which to be honest with you, I have not done in years. But the best part, she got to do it solo. Good on you, mama. If you would like to do the same, you can share your moment over on Instagram by using the hashtag the me before mummy and tagging myself at Mummy Republic, so that you can let other mamas know what it is that you do to reconnect with that person that you were pre-children. It can be simple, it can be easy, but it's definitely always worth it. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself, and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week.